This is Michelle from Today's Followers. This podcast is a place where people can learn who they are in Jesus Christ and their purpose in life. Each episode will help you walk on a path that leads to following Jesus Christ and to walk with other believers into a life full of joy, peace, love, and victory. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Welcome to another episode of Today's Followers. At this time of year, we hear phrases like, Jesus is the reason for the season, or we receive Christmas cards with sentiments saying, Peace on earth, goodwill toward men, or wise men still seek him. With the uncertainty of the times we face, I believe these statements that were once greetings of the season now carry a timely message for us. For many, Christmas is about gift-giving, holiday celebrations, and spending time with loved ones. However, the real reason for the season was established when Jesus was born. Luke wrote about the angel of the Lord appearing to the shepherds in the following verses in Luke chapter 2, verses 8-20. through 20. Now there were in this same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem, and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told them. Looking at our text in Luke chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, we have before us the sermon of the first evangelist, an angel of the Lord. The joy which this first gospel preacher spoke of was no mean one, for he said, I bring you good tidings. That alone was joy, and not good tidings of joy only, but good tidings of great joy. In looking at this story, we shall note three things. The joy which was spoken of, the persons to whom the joy comes, and thirdly, the sign, which is to us a sign as well as to these shepherds, a sign of the birth and source of joy going back to the first one, the joy. Whence it come and what is it? We have already said it is a great joy, good tidings of great joy. 
Earth's joy is small, but heaven has sent us joy immeasurable. We may say that it is a lasting joy, a joy which will ring all down the ages, the echoes of which shall be heard until the trumpet brings the resurrection. For when God sent forth the angel in his brightness to say, I bring you good tidings of great joy which be to all people, he did as much as say, From this time forth it shall be to the sons of man, there shall be peace to the human race, and goodwill towards men forever and forever, as long as there is glory to God in the highest. The star of Bethlehem shall never set. Jesus, the fairest among ten thousand, the most lovely among the beautiful, is a joy forever. Since this joy is expressively associated with the glory of God by the words glory to God in the highest, we may be quite clear that it is a pure and holy joy. The joy announced by the angel of the nativity is a pure as it is lasting, as holy as it is great. Let us then believe concerning the Christian religion that it has a joy within itself. There are those who will pretend to exhibit joy in the remembrance of Savior's birth, but they will not seek their pleasure in our Savior. They will need many additions to the feast before they can be satisfied. Joy in Emmanuel would be a poor sort of amusement to them. In this country, too often, if one were unaware of the name, one might believe the Christmas festival to be a feast of gift shopping or parties, certainly not a celebration of the divine birth. But why is it that the coming of Christ into the world is the occasion of joy? The answer is as follows. First, because it is evermore a joyous fact that God should be in alliance with man especially when the alliance is so near that God should in very deed take our manhood into union with his Godhead, so that God and man should constitute one divine, mysterious person. Sin had separated between God and man, but the incarnation bridges the separation. It is a prelude to the atoning sacrifice, but it is a prelude full of the richest hope. When God looks upon man, he will remember that his own son is a man. From this day forth, when he beholds the sinner, if his wrath should burn, he will remember that his own son, as man, stood in the sinner's place and bore the sinner's doom. So there is no more war between God and man, because God was taken into man into intimate union with himself wherein there is cause for great joy. But there was more than that, for the shepherds were aware that there had been promises made of old, which had been the hope and comfort of believers in all ages, and these were now to be fulfilled. There was the ancient promise made on the threshold of the Garden of Eden to the first sinners of our race, that the seed of the woman should bruise the serpent's head. Another promise made to the father of the faithful, that in his seed should all nations of the earth be blessed. And promises uttered by the mouths of prophets and of saints since the world began. Now, the announcement of the angel of the Lord to the shepherds was a declaration that the covenant was fulfilled. 
that now in the fullness of time, God would redeem his word and the Messiah who was to be Israel's glory and the world's hope has now really come. Follow me while I briefly speak of the people to whom this joy comes. Observe how the angel begins. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, for unto you is born this day. So then the joy began with the first who heard it, the shepherds. To you, said he, for unto you is born. Beloved hearer, shall the joy begin with you today, for it little avails you that Christ was born or that Christ died, unless unto you a child is born, and for you Jesus bled. And the angel had said to you, he went on to say, it shall be to all people. But our translation is not accurate. The Greek is, it shall be to all the people. The coming of Christ is a joy to all people. In Luke 2.14, it states, on earth peace, which is a wide and even unlimited expression. It adds goodwill towards men. That is to say, to all men, it is a joy to all nations that Christ is born, the Prince of Peace, the King who rules in righteousness. But the greatest joy is to those who know Christ as Savior. Here, the song rises to a higher note. Unto us, indeed, a child is born, if we can say that He is our Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let me ask each of you a a few personal questions. Are your sins forgiven you for his name's sake? Is the head of the serpent bruised in your soul? Does the seed of the woman reign in sanctifying power over your nature? If you answer yes to these, you have the joy that, that is to all the people to the truest form of it. And dear brother, dear sister, the further you submit yourself to Christ the Lord, the more completely you will know him and are like him, the fuller your happiness will become. Surface joy is to those who live where their Savior is preached, but the great deeps, the great fathomless deeps of solemn joy, which glisten and sparkle with delight, as for such as know the Savior, obey the Anointed One, and have communion with the Lord himself. The last thing in this text is the sign. The shepherds did not ask for a sign, but one was graciously given. The baby was found wrapped in swaddling clothes. The small, defenseless baby laid there next to his mother. The weakness of submissive gentleness is true power. Jesus lays his eternal empire not on force, but on love. Here you see your hope, the mild Pacific Prince, whose glory is self-sacrifice, is our true benefactor. But look again, and you shall observe no pomp to dazzle you. Is this child wrapped in purple and fine linen? No. Does he sleep in a cradle of gold? The manger alone is his shelter. No crown is upon the baby's head, nor does a coronet surround the mother's brow. A simple maiden of Galilee and a little child in ordinary swaddling bands is all you see. Now to all of you who are hurriedly, madly through life, with no time for the holy child, no heart and soul interest in the promise of his redemption, I say, in his name and with 
the plea that involves your salvation, your blessed eternity, your promise of heaven. Celebrate the Savior's birth every day. Take as your example our Lord's mother, of whom it is written that after the first Christmas had come and gone, after the shepherds had worshipped and departed, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, as we see in Luke 2.19. We need to constantly keep the Christmas truth. How noble and outstanding the Virgin Mary was. While we dare not endorse the error of some who have made her almost equal to God himself, called her, in effect, the promise delivered to the human race. We must not descend to the other extreme, which regards her only as an average Palestinian mother. Twice, in the words of angels and men, does the Bible call her blessed among women. We dare not detract from that or go beyond it. She who bore our Lord Jesus should be an example of excellency for all women. Especially, however, should we all follow Mary in her faith. She knew more about the birth of Christ than any other person on earth, and unfalteringly, she trusted the Almighty God. It is recorded of her in Scripture, Blessed is she that believeth. There were mysteries for Mary at the manger, promises she could hardly understand. The angel had told her that her baby was to be the Son of God. Yet he came into the world amid abject poverty, and the first to adore him were not priests or churchmen, but lowly shepherds. She had been assured that her child would save his people from their sins, and that his coming brought good tidings of great joy for all people. Still, was her son not born an outcast? Only once in the whole marvelous story of her motherhood did she inquire, How shall this be? We need that same trusting faith. I shall not argue or debate with you at length questions concerning the incarnation, the virgin birth, Christ's two natures, and other truth which surpass our powers of understanding. I simply ask you to approach the whole Christmas record with an unbiased mind and permit facts to convince you. Mary did not merely listen to the Christmas message and then forget it. We read in plain one-syllable words that after Jesus was born, she kept all these things. The startling promise concerning the Holy Child in her heart. We likewise must hold tight to the Christmas blessing, even after the evergreen and decorations have been removed. The benedictions of our Savior's birth are far too great to be restricted by the short span of 24 hours. You cannot put the Atlantic Ocean into a drinking glass, even less you could crowd the glories of His incarnation into a single day. When Paula, a 5th century Christian, came to Bethlehem, She knelt at the reputed side of the manger and exclaimed, I see the divine infant wrapped in his swaddling clothes. I hear my Lord crying in his cradle. Then, quoting in Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, as the verses came to her mind, she recalled all the prophetic passages which dealt with his coming and concluded, Have I, a miserable sinner been permitted to kiss the cradle where my Savior uttered his first cry? 
have I been counted worthy to offer my prayers in this cave where the Virgin Mary brought forth my Lord? Here shall be my rest, for it is the country of my Lord. Here will I dwell, since my Savior chose it. While it is neither possible nor advisable for you now to make that pilgrimage to Israel, by faith you can constantly keep close to the Christ child. Accept him as your Redeemer now. Take him with you tomorrow when you go to work, when you go to the grocery store, when you go to church and when you are with your family and friends. Let every day re-echo the rejoicing of the first Christmas. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. On these last few days of the year, which not only reminds us of a steadily approach either to heaven or hell, but which also serves as a time for spiritual inventory, look deep into your souls. Many of you I know will admit that, unlike Mary, you have not kept the Christmas truth. You have lost the greatest treasure you could ever own. You had God-fearing parents or grandparents. They taught you to believe that Jesus came to save you. You prayed to him, and for years you trusted him. Then something tragic happened. Usually it was prosperity with pleasure-seeking, luxurious living, the quick, easy making of money that crowds him from your life. And though many of you seem successful in the sight of men, you are bankrupt in the eyes of the Almighty God. Because you have not kept Christ before, it is too late. And think of the sudden deaths during the recent days. Come back to the manger during this radiant Christmas season with the holy resolve that God's Spirit sustaining you. You will guard every assurance of the Savior's love as your priceless possession. Keep Christ in your family circle. Fathers, think of Mary, a weak woman with outstanding strength of devotion. And before the old year closes, resolve with Joshua when he says in Joshua twenty four fifteen, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Keep the gospel in your churches. Keep Christ on the air. We need to constantly ponder the Christmas blessing. Mary not only kept all these things as a person treasures a costly jewel or a rare painting, but we know that she also pondered them in her heart. Constantly her thoughts dwelt on the angel's promise that her son was God's son, a king's who rule would know no end. He would be called Jesus, the wonderful name which means Savior. Household duties, of course, demanded much of Mary's time. Her child needed her motherly care. There were no servants in Joseph's humble home. Mary did all the cooking and baking, the cleaning and mending, the spinning and weaving. She never neglected her domestic task, yet she found time constantly to reflect on divine mercy. Not a day passed at Bethlehem on the difficult flight to, into Egypt and the hazardous return journey in the Nazareth household without having her thoughts wing their way back to that first Christmas. God gives us all much more of that pondering spirit, for too often people refuse to consider personally 
seriously, unbiasedly, the claims of Christ on their soul. You received many Christmas greeting cards, some of them with pictures of Bethlehem's babe and words of scripture. Did you take time to ponder the meaning of that child, to read and believe those passages? They are divine promissory notes, these Bible truths which pledge in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What do you suppose helped Mary daily recall the remarkable happenings of that first Christmas? She was no superwoman. She was flesh and blood as you are. And with God's help, you can do what she did. Continually, she thought of the Lord Jesus because she had the Christ child with her day and night. She herself nursed that holy infant one. Her own hands bathed and clothed him. She sang him to sleep with her own lullabies. She cuddled him to her breast, held him with her arms, kissed him with her lips. Her precious baby was constantly before her to remind her every moment of God's marvelous mercy. You, too, can keep the Savior before you in the repeated promises of his word. Within the covers of your scripture is the whole story of salvation told you so plainly that even a child can find its way to heaven. Read it. Ponder it. Ask yourself, who is this child of Bethlehem and what does he mean to me? Out of the miracle and the mercy of divine love comes the answer. He is your God, the almighty Lord of the universe, who loved you with a divine affection that made him come into the world to take your place in fulfilling the divine law you had broken, to become your substitute in removing the curse of death, your ransom in paying the debt of sin you by yourself could never pay. Repeat the questions. Who is this holy child? What is he to me? And the divine word replies, He is your Savior whose unlimited and unconditioned pardon and peace are granted you without payment or price, freely and forever. Inquire again, who is this cradle child? What does he mean to me? And divine truth responds, he is your friend who helps when human friends give way, whose love kindles with the warmth of comfort, the hope of deliverance, the assurance of heavenly joy in all life's heaviness and sorrow. As the angel of the Lord announced the birth of Jesus and proclaimed, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The hearts of the startled shepherd were put at rest, knowing that something extraordinary had happened. Today, more than ever, there is a cry for peace on earth by mankind, and by nations around the world. While the world strives to end conflict in search of peace, many fail to recognize the one who offers true and lasting peace, the Prince of Peace, Jesus, the Son of God. As believers of Jesus, we are privileged to know Jesus, the reason for the season. In these turbulent times, we know that the peace Jesus gives surpasses all understanding, and keeps our hearts in mind. 
During this time of the Christmas season, let's remember that everything that matters still remains. I'll leave you today with the words to a song that I heard recently that states, Joy is not canceled. Peace still remains. God's goodness, kindness, His grace isn't running low. And He has not changed. His power is still abundant. His mercies are still new. God's plans have not been canceled. He's still in control. And everything that matters still remains.